Looking for clarity and confidence when it comes to decision-making for your business? You've come to the right place. You're now listening to the Atomic Business Coaching Podcast. I am Adam. And I'm Tom. And together, we are Atomic Business Coaching. Where our stories are your solutions. Listen, man, there's a lot of people asking for a very specific solution. I'm not going to waste any time today. All right. I'm not yep. going to, we're not going to talk and laugh and do this. We're going to go right into something because <laughs> it may take too much time. All right. That sounds good. Let's go. Let's rock and roll here. All right. So in our DMs on Instagram, in our meetings with our clients in networking stuff I've been doing, we have been hearing over and over and over again, like, hey, you guys are talking about delegation and working less. And, you know, one of our taglines is we help you to 10x and work less. And people like that's wonderful. Real great. You're going to help me work less. How are you going to do that? How's that even possible? And then obviously we talk about delegation and they're like, that sounds good to you, but. I, I, I've never delegated. I can't delegate. How do I delegate? How do I hire? What do I do? So I want to take this episode to really talk about some things that we've actually implemented with our clients, things we've done ourselves, tactics that work, causes or, or reasons that people mm-hmm. don't delegate and things of that nature. All right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we did an episode a while back on unpacking delegation, you know, and assembling the right team and talking about strengths and we 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 were you know hoping that that would be at least to start to the conversation around how to delegate effectively is first setting up the right team and understanding people's strengths because one of the ways that you can start to delegate effectively is by reducing you know your guessing around it if somebody has a specific strength and this is a task that meets that strength then delegate to the strength of the person and that kind of takes some of the guessing out of it but I think, like you're saying, so many people are finding and bringing up other concerns around, I'm afraid of this, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to do this. And so let's, let's clarify for people what we're, what we're talking about. All right. So I want to start with what almost everybody says in the beginning is they're like, I don't have the money, right? I don't have the mm-hmm. money to, to delegate and do this. And, and I don't believe that truly is the cause. You have money. It's just your priority might not be on... Where am I going to put my money? And the reason for that that I found is too many people are looking at delegation as a cost, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, this is an expense. You have to really, truly look at it as an investment, right? If you're going to invest in anything that you do, I don't care what it is. If you're going to invest time in your fitness, right? There, it's mm-hmm. going to take a while before you see results. If you're going to invest in your retirement fund, it's going to take time until you see re- results. Anything that you invest in, you could actually lose, right? Right. Okay. But- if you look at it on any long-term scale, you typically gain, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or absolutely. Point is that you gain. Right. Okay, so that's the number one thing is you have to stop looking at this as it's a cost. This is truly an investment in your business. It's an investment in getting your time back. That's one of the ways we say that we can help you to 10x and work less, right? right? You're not going to do that instantaneously, mm-hmm. but you have to take the time to invest in people or in services or vendors or whatever it is to delegate certain tasks off your plate as an investment. Now, everybody wants that instant gratification where I invest it and I'm going to get something back in return. And most business owners are looking for profitability and revenue. Mm -hmm. Well, that might not be the return on your investment. The return on your investment may be someone does something more efficient for you, right? Someone takes something off your plate and you no longer have to spend the time doing that thing. There, there are multiple reasons, or I'm sorry, multiple 
returns you can get on that investment that aren't actually monetary. Okay. Mm -hmm. So start changing the mindset. And Tom, why don't you talk about how people's mindset are with the difference between the cost and the in, the investment? Yeah, it, it comes down to, you know, you, you have to change your, it's any like relationship with, with money and, and it comes down to a relationship with money and, and what you're trying to hold on to, right? You're, you're trying to build a business and you want to hold on to the money, but what is the cost stress-wise that is, is, is involved in it? And it's really about seeing, like you're saying, the investment in the people, because when you make an investment in people and you are aggressively patient to use one of our principles, right? You have to be aggressively patient and understand that people that are support, you're not supporting your employees. I hear this a lot from a lot of our, our clients is, is I'm providing for them and I'm giving them this and, and I'm giving them the work so that they can make the money so they could do the thing. No, 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 no. They're supporting you. That's the whole point of having people and having a team is to support you as the business owner. And and one of the things is is you have to create this visual. I think and org charts are very good at creating this visual. You know, I was working with one of our clients recently, and he wants to work less. He wants to work fifteen hours a week, and he wants to do this thing. And I'm like, dude, let's look at your org chart for a second. You're here as the CEO, but you're here doing this. You're here as the administrative assistant. Here, you're here as this, and here is that. And I'm like until you're out of all of the lines below the main line you're supposed to be in, you're going to have to learn how to af effectively delegate. And he has a huge barrier in making an investment in people and spending the money because he wants an immediate return on investment. So it's really about embracing a mindset of patience and understanding that these are people who are supporting you. You're not supporting them. So when you look at your whole overall mindset, being patient and understanding the need for patience. People don't understand that they, everybody lives in this on-demand world, right? We live in an on-demand and we want that immediate thing. And unless we pull back and unless we take the time to really see that there's a bigger thing involved, we, we're not going to be effective in our delegation style at all because our mindset is all messed up. And it's a fear, right? So that, that right. All, all that's fear. And let's talk about two more fears. So two of the other fears are that, and, and we get this from mainly from entrepreneurs who used to work at a corporation, they left, they started their own business, and now they have to hire somebody and they look themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And when, when they were there, they were probably the best at that task, right? And that's right. Why, how they ended up starting their own business. So now they have this standard that they've set on anybody who I'm going to hire needs to be as good as that. And I, we've talked about this prior yep. where, you know, you can, you can hire two people that do 60% as good as you can. And if you have two of them doing that, that's 120% of you. But it's a fear that people are constantly dealing with and they, it, it will, it turns into this vicious cycle where they're like, Hey, I can't find any good people because they're not as good and I'm not going to hire them. So then they end up doing the work and it's this, this constant cycle. So you have to accept that people are not going to be as good as you or what you expect. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but they don't need to be their employees, right? If they were as good as you, they'd have their own business. And the second fear that comes in here 
is that they're worried. And we've had this with one client who's now crossed seven figures. Before they got over this fear, they did not cross seven figures. They have once they overcame that, if I hire somebody, I'm so scared it's going to hurt my business. And what they meant by this was it's going to hurt my reputation. Mm-hmm. That they're not going to be able to represent our company, our product, our service in the way that I can. And it was it was paralyzing for them. And they literally would take steal time away from their family, steal time away from revenue generating activities because they were like, I have to be the one who speaks to the customer. I have to be the one who handles this problem. Because if someone says one wrong thing, it's going to destroy my reputation. Mm-hmm. Well, here was the first thing. They didn't have a reputation. Okay. Right. They did in their own mind. But out in the business world, they didn't have a reputation. They were they were good. They were making some money. But what reputation could you really ruin? And if you take the time to actually train people and go through and shadow them, there's many different tactics, which is what we help with our one-on-one coaching and our boot camps and our, our books, all the different things that we do. We help. There's many tactics that you can go through to learn like, all right. How do I actually get someone up to the speed where I feel confident that I can let them out in the wild on their own? You know, you, you, you're hitting on a really important point. You know, I was, was talking with a client yesterday and they basically said to her, listen, fear is simply in a need to know something new, but it also is pulling out the right tools to make things happen. And I think one of the things that we see with this fear is that people don't have the tools in their toolbox to to make them make the decisions and do all that. And that's where standard operating procedures come in and working. We've been working with a lot of our clients on developing their standard operating procedures so that they can have the tools needed to give to the people that they hire so that the people can do their jobs the right way. And it's the expectations. We've got to have the right expectations and know exactly what it is you need that person to do for you. And if you don't have that figured out, that's what creates a lot of the fear and anxiety. And just remember, fear comes from this place of something just needs to be known. It's an unknown. And all you have to do is learn it, do it, set it up, whatever it is. And then it's no longer a fear. But I think so many people run away from that at the beginning of of a business, especially because it, they, they feel this, and it's part of their controller saboteur too, is that, that they have to control everything in their business. And part of that letting go creates this this fear because this, the controller and, and the saboteur is saying, oh, well, yeah, if you, if you give up too much control, your business is going to run away from you. You know, the inmates are going to run the jail and mm-hmm. yada, yada. But it's, it's one of those things where just focus on what you have to do to be able to delegate the right way and be able to do it. And that's really coming up with what do you want them to do what do you need them to do right so let's talk about that what do you want them to do what do you need them to do and i do want to come back to what you were saying there about training people i'll come back to that later but what do you want them to do and what do you need them to do so one of the ways you can first figure out what do you want them to do is um using something called the pareto principle right and the pareto Mm -hmm. principle says that you get 20 percent of your results I'm sorry, you get 80% of your results from 20% of what you actually do. So again, you get 80% of your results from 20% of the things that you do. So one of the exercises that we have our clients go through is to spend at least three days, I'd rather you do it for a week, but at least three days writing down what you do every single half hour. Sounds monotonous. Uh, 
annoying. Like, what's the point of this? But literally, I write down from 4.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. what I do every half an hour. And I do this every probably quarter or so. Mm-hmm. And what I'm the reason I'm doing this is to to first keep track of how much I get done. Because when you when you look at that list, you're like, wow, I, I got a lot done today. Because many times you don't feel like you're getting many things done in your day. But when you see it in black and white, you're like, wow, that's that's a lot of stuff I got done. Mm-hmm. Also, for me, sometimes, you know, we're always talking about work-life harmony. I want to make sure, dude, am I in harmony? Am I giving attention to myself, to my family, to my uh, passions, to my business, to my clients, to all these different responsibilities I have? But the the purpose of doing this is that you're going to list out every half an hour what you do. Things as monotonous as I drove to work or I answered emails or I spent, uh, you know, time researching something or whatever it may be. Every half an hour, you're going to write it down. After you do this for three days, you're going to look at those lists, okay? And you're going to try to find the 80% of things that are kind of nonsense that you could delegate, okay? And the idea here is that you'll start to notice a pattern of, okay, these are the things I'm doing over and over again that I, I probably could delegate. It doesn't need to be me doing this thing. And then what you're going to do is you're going to say, okay, well, how much would it cost per hour for me to hire someone to do that? And you list it out and you have, okay, maybe you find five or six things, right? It might not be 80%, but maybe you find five or six things inside of that that you're like, I, I could delegate these things, okay? And then you you put the dollar per hour next to it. Here's what I could pay someone to do it. And then you're going to look at what is the lowest cost item there. So if mm-hmm. you find something that's at, let's just say, a minimum wage for wherever you are, now you could say, all right, I can, I can hire that today. That gets one thing off your plate. Now, the I, the purpose here is to try to find 80% of the stuff that's not getting results and then delegate all of that out. If you're able to delegate all 80%, which is nearly impossible, by the way. Right. But if you're able to delegate no, all of that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're able to delegate all that out, what happens now is you're getting all that time back. Now, if you mm-hmm. get that time back, you can put that energy, that time into the 20% of things that are creating the 80% of results. And that's really how you can grow as a business, okay? Right. But there's a key. I'll get. I want to hear some of your feedback on it. And there's a key, and we'll talk about the SOPs and job descriptions in a moment. What were you, so, what are your thoughts oh, so, on Pareto so, principle sorry, and I, writing these things? Yeah. Down? So, no, I I love that. You know, and and I've looked at it in in different ways. You know, Brian Tracy's book uh, "Eat That Frog" talks about the five, the ABCDs and E's of of our priorities and how to procrastinate on the wrong, the right things versus procrastinating on the wrong things. And one of the things that you're, you're bringing out there is, is the delegation. If you're not looking at your list, if you're not looking at what you're doing, if you're not being formulaic in some ways about how you're approaching your day and your activities and everything else, you're not going to be able to identify those things that you need to delegate. And, and I think this is a, a great method. You know, I, we, we did this recently, you and I, we mm-hmm. went through our whole, I went through, I did a whole week of this and, and I realized, oh my goodness, I wish I had somebody for that. And I wish I had somebody to do that. Let me ask you, I, let's see how honest you could be here. And I, I will take yeah. mine. So what, what's well, just one thing, one thing that you found that was like, wow, I'm, I'm doing this a lot. Maybe I could consider delegating this. Did you find anything? It, it, the thing that I'm doing a lot is, is I'm 
doing too much administrative work. Mm. I don't need to be the one. To, like, I wish I had a bookkeeper to send out invoices and do that stuff. I, I don't want to be doing that stuff. Right. I want to I coach people. I want to see people. I want to interact with people. I don't want to have to do that admin stuff. I, mm. You know, even, even some selfish stuff. Like, you know, I don't love engaging on social media, but I will do it. But, I, you know, if we had somebody to do that to help us along, and we've had people do that for us, again, it's something that is, is important for us in the beginning to do ourselves. And I think that's something, too, that you have to remember is, is that if you're not thinking, as you're a business owner and you're doing things today, you have to think about the future. There's certain investment that you're going to make so that you can teach the people to do the right thing in the future when you hire them. But if you're not even thinking about how can I delegate this to somebody in the future, you're going to hurt yourself. But just going back to the ABCDE method, you know, Brian Tracy talks about A is the must do, B is the should do, C is the nice to do, and D is the de delegate. What are you going to delegate? And then the E of your to-do list is your eliminate. But if you don't think about D, if you're not thinking about delegate, you're, you're not going to create this going back to mindset, you're not going to create a mindset that is open to giving stuff away. It really is a, a, a giving stuff to other people to do. You that, And that's part of forming the mindset. Once you get past the fear, now it's, okay, What if I did have someone, what would I be giving them to do? And you're only going to realize that by knowing what you're doing every single day that you may be wasting time on. That's not the best use of your time. Yeah. And that's the best way to identify, like, what could I actually delegate? Because there's going to be 20% of that stuff that it's non-negotiable. You can't delegate it because you exactly. are the talent or you are the expert or, and here's, here's what we can do now is, so now you can identify, like, here are the things I could delegate. Here's the lowest cost item. I could actually do it today. Okay. Right. So now how do you, how do you actually go and delegate it? Which is we, you know, we have one of our programs. It's our second program that we do. We do five WH, then we do this five step program. Then we have a retention program for ongoing growth and progress and taking advantage of opportunities. The second program that we do really helps people build out this team. And what we do is we start with an SOP, right? So now what you're going to do is you're going to say, all right, I, I, I went through this Pareto principle. I identified this task. It's the lowest cost item. And just focus on this one, okay? You don't need to figure everything out all at once. Focus on the one thing, and you're going to write a standard operating procedure. And what that is in layman's terms is an instruction manual. That's all it is. You're That's literally it. saying, it's like, you know, when you get your kids Legos and it says, all right, find these pieces, organize the pieces. Great. <laughs> Those are your systems, by the way. Right. And then you're going to say, okay, now how do I put all this together? And you create the instruction manual on step one is to do this, step two to do that, step three. And the end product is you'll have this thing. Okay. So that's part of what we do is we actually build out these SOPs with our clients based on different tasks or different roles that they have. So now what you're going to do is simply you're doing this thing already, right? If you're going to eliminate it, you're the one doing it. So now what I want you to do is the next time you do that, you're going to write down everything that you do. Step one, step two, step three, write the whole thing down. Okay. And now you have an SOP. Once you have the standard operating procedure, you can start to look at it and find ways to improve it or see things that are missing, right? For efficiency. Mm -hmm. Okay. So your SOP can get longer or shorter, right? Depending on how you did it. And if you're going to delegate this, you may need to add some things in there that maybe are just second nature to you because you've done them so long or you have a previous education or experience with something. 
So item number one, there is, okay, this is the, this is what we're actually going to be doing. You tell them here's, here's the task. And then you start to say, here are the instructions for that thing. If you have an SOP laid out, you can then delegate that and say, here's what I need you to do. Okay. You, you may still have to train and do other things. And like I said, we'll go back to training. Um, but you now have a list of things that you can do. And then the second piece is after you have the SOP, you're going to write out a job description. Yep. And the job description is very formulaic and, you know, you can reach out to us and we can give you the formula on how to actually write one out. We have templates and stuff like that. But when you're writing the job description, one of the most important things is to to list out like here's exactly what you're going to do and here's the the requirements and here's the nice to have requirements, not necessities, Correct. but you know, the nice other skills. <laughs> yeah, the other skills that would really help you not to have to either train so much or you know, right. they can kind of come to the table and ready to, you know, run instead of crawl. Mm-hmm. So what you do, what you do in this situation is now you, you've written out this job description, you have this SOP and you start to marry those things up and you can start to envision the type of person that you would need. This will allow you to have a clear direction for your employee, but also a clear direction for you on who do I really want coming into my business and doing this. And you can feel this confidence that, well, now I know what I want them to do. I know how I want them to do that. I know what I will pay them. It becomes easier for you to delegate at that point. So if you don't do all this stuff, what ends up happening is you're the one who's going to do that. Okay. And now that you have identified how much this costs, meaning how much investment you would have to make to bring a person on to do that. If you look at that number, is that what you're worth? Is that what your time is worth? Because come on, you're, you're way more valuable than what that number on that paper is saying. Not to say whoever you're going to hire is so much less valuable, but they haven't acquired the skills, the experience, the knowledge, the expertise to be where you're at, right? This is why you started a business, okay? Right. Because you're above certain things, right? You have a higher skill set. So don't remove yourself from, from doing all these things that you are the best at just to get things done that need to get done. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam, one of the things that a lot of people have to expect too around this is, is that no one is ever going to fill 100% of that job description. And you can put a job description in place and you can say, well, you know, and, and because that becomes the excuse to not hire somebody, right? Because somebody will come back to us and say, listen, I put all of these things and I, I have all these operating procedures and I have all these responsibilities but I'm not able to find someone who can do all of those things. And the key is, is that no one is going to be able to do 100% of that job description. And that's something that's a really important expectation to have as a business owner, that when you do put something out there, you've got to hope to satisfy 80, 85% of that job description. Otherwise, you're going to make an excuse and say, oh, I can't find someone that does that. And I can't find some." when you know what it is that you need in that responsibility and when you know it is that you need from that person for that standard operating procedure and then somebody walks in with those strengths now you can match the strength to what you need and the responsibility that they're going to give that person and now it helps you to more easily delegate to those people so it it really this is full circle exercise around create how do i give people what they need to do for me and it's identifying what they need and it's matching it with their strength and knowing that they're not going to do 
a hundred percent of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, that that's, I I've said this three times. I will go back to training. So this is a good point to talk about it is if, if they can't do absolutely everything in your SOP or in your job description, well then you're going to have to train them. Okay. Correct. So an easy way, an easy way to train somebody is now that you've written out your SOP, the next time you do that thing that you've done for so long and you've realized you shouldn't be doing it anymore, you got to turn on your camera uh, or you turn on a voice recorder, whatever you want to do. And you're actually going to train a child how to do this. Okay. So mm-hmm. I have a, an 11 and a seven year old at this time. I would actually train my seven year old, right? So how would I teach a seven year old how to do this job? And if you literally just record a training video or, or just voice recording on, here's how to do this. Okay. Step one is, and you explain it to someone who's seven. Okay. You have to get very, very precise. Mm-hmm. You have to simplify things. You have to make it clearly understandable. Because look, my seven-year-old doesn't know how to do a lot of these things. Okay? So I'm going to have to explain it in greater detail. Okay? So when you do that, you will be so surprised how effective that if you take that transcript or that video, how that can actually be a training manual or video mm-hmm. for the person that you hire that's lacking those skills. They will learn how to do that. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have to handhold a little bit and, and be a leader and do things with them. But yeah, you, you can just simply record and then deploy that out. And then they will come back to you with like, hey, in video number two, you said to do X, Y, and Z. I don't understand it. Okay, let's work on that together. But right. now you can take 80% of what you would have trained them on out. It's the Pareto principle again, because you have that video or that manual or whatever it's going to be. You could take most of it out and they'll come to you with very specific things that are going to generate results for them getting better at what they got to do. hundred percent. And it's true. When you explain it like that to a child, you will realize how granular you can get and you'll start thinking that way. But again, if you, you don't have an intention to do it, it's not going to happen. And that's what I, what I think is a great thing. And that was one of the things that we said to do to our client who passed the seven figure mark. He was all concerned about training people and, and being able to. And I said, just take your phone. And as you walk through a situation, show that person, teach that person in a, in a very simple way what to do in this situation so that when they're, they're in that situation, they have something to reference. I love YouTube, right? We love YouTube because we can go learn anything on YouTube because somebody took the time to make a video of it and explain it. And everything that's on YouTube, how to do this, we can do so many things because of that. That's all you have to do in your business is you just have to set up your own little YouTube channel of how do you do this and how do you do that and how do you do. So if you're not, you know, standing operating procedure doesn't have to necessarily just be written. And and I think that's something that business owners get concerned. About. I don't want to sit there and write stuff. So just record it, record it and make yourself a YouTube channel to train all your employees it's that simple. And and I think when we overcomplicate things, we you know, they become excuses and they become obstacles. And like you said before, these are people that we need to get back our time and get back our freedom to be able to do the things we really want to do and why we're doing all of this in the first place. So let's go the complete opposite angle. All right. We're we're talking a lot about creating SOPs and training and doing all this stuff. So that is one angle that you can take. And, uh, you know, you can usually pay a little bit less money for someone to come in and do that. 
So how about going the other way, right? There's always a cost and there's always an investment, right? It's either going to be time or money. So if you're going to pay someone a little bit less, you're going to spend your time training somebody. So if you go the other route, you can spend your money hiring someone who is already an expert and hopefully yep. they're even better at it than you are now. Like we said earlier, many people think no one can do it as good as me. Well, I'm sure anything that you're doing, there is someone who is an absolute expert in it. Okay. And you can go out and find that or any one of those tasks that you're about to delegate, you can find an absolute expert at it. There are specialized people in almost everything in this world. It's the great part about capitalism is you can find things that people are literally ready to exchange their money for that value. And you can do that as well. So if you can find somebody that needs zero training, yes, you're going to spend more money because they command that value because they're going to bring it to you. But now that means you can get all that time back from training. You can get away from all those fears that I don't know if they're going to be able to do this. You can probably see that it, this is a better investment because they already come to the table with these things. There's very little guessing involved with that. So I, I would highly recommend that you look at if you have the ability to do this or if you can find the resources, even if you don't have them, to, to invest in this, mm -hmm. that you can find somebody who is an absolute expert at it. It's only going to speed up the process of being able to delegate the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So it's something you, you really, really have to consider is, do I want to spend my time or do I want to spend my money? If you right. don't have a lot of money, it's got to be time and you're going to train. If you have some money and you don't have a lot of time, it's going to be finding the expert who can come in and hit the ground running. And one of the really most important things that if you're going to spend your time training this person, you have to find someone who is willing to learn. That is a key component in the interview process in identifying that right person for your business is, is this someone who is willing to learn and who wants to make a future for themselves with your company and wants to be part of something bigger? It, are they willing to do the work and are they willing to learn? Because sometimes what happens too, just as a little bit of a cautionary tale on the other side, if you're going to spend your money you have to make sure that that person doesn't have these bad habits that they're going to come in and just do it their way and not follow your procedures. So there's there's either side that you look at it, you have to just be thoughtful of those two key things. Are they willing to learn? And if they're willing to learn, great, then then it's worth my time. But if they're not willing to learn, then let me go to, let me pay for it, who has the expertise, who's ready to do it, and I just have to observe and make sure that they do it the way I need them to do it and not necessarily just the way they are going to do it with their bad habits or whatever they come in with. So those are the, the count, point account, you know, counterpoint on both of those situations. Yeah, I'll give you my experience. Our experience here with Atomic mm -hmm. is, listen, I, I've been in business for 23 years. My At this point, my time is worth more than my money. It just is. So I refuse to really go through a training process. So at Atomic Business Coaching, Tom and I have multiple people we have delegated things to, whether they're employees or vendors or systems or whatever it may be. And we have not trained anybody, have we, Tom? No, we haven't had to. We have not trained anybody. We brought in experts. And these experts, it's funny, sometimes they're always asking us, like, hey, can I do this or should I do that? Or And what's my response to them all the time, Tom? You're the expert. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I, I, Just do I, it. This is why we hired you. 
This is the right. purpose we hired you. You tell us what to do. You tell us how it should be done. You get now they're scared, right? Because they don't want to make the wrong decision. But that's a great thing. When you put the accountability on an expert who you've paid a high commanded value to, and they have to now deliver on it, they're gonna make sure shit gets done. Okay. Oh, yeah. They're gonna make sure it's the best of their ability. So this is the way that I operate. I'm, I don't think it's the way everyone needs to. But look, Tom and I have put zero dollars into our business. We have taken the revenue that we've made from our business and reinvested back to delegate and build this thing out. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly investing back in our business. Okay. Right. Yes. Does that mean we're going to take less money for Adam and Tom? It sure does. Right. But we're building something here that we need to delegate certain things. So like Tom said earlier, he just wants to coach, right? So if he wants to coach more, he has to stop doing that admin stuff. If I want to coach more, I have to stop doing some of the social media stuff. So that's why we delegate these things out. But here's what happens. Gary Vaynerchuk said this. I have used it for years and years and years. And I love it. It's hire fast, fire faster, and promote the fastest. Mm-hmm. And this is how you can bring people in who are experts. You hire them really fast. Okay. If they suck, you fire them even faster. And if they're a rock star, you promote them the fastest because you don't want to lose those key people, people who are really, right. really good at something. You want to give them more responsibility because you've exploited like, holy cow, they are amazing. Let me give them more responsibility. And that comes in the form of promotion or higher monetary compensation. Mm-hmm. So hire fast, fire fastest, promote, I'm sorry, hire fast, fire faster, and promote the fastest. Yep. It works. And people people go, oh my goodness, how, how am I going to promote them so fast? Well, if they know what they're doing, take advantage of that. Acknowledge that. You know, people remember, you have to remember in this process, people want to be acknowledged for what they do for you too, Right. So part of delegation is then acknowledging the hard work and the dedication and the way that they went about it and, and helping them. And one of those ways to acknowledge it is to promote them. And, and that's why it's so critical to move through that very fast. Because if you don't get rid of that person that's horrible faster than you hired them, then you're setting yourself up for failure and you're creating more problems for yourself, right? You're creating I always say a headache today, a migraine tomorrow, right? When you have an employee that is starting to show signs of, oh, he gives me a headache every day. Oh, well, if I don't get rid of that headache, it's going to turn into a migraine or an aneurysm at the end and in a couple of days. And I'm going to be like, why didn't I just get rid of the headache very, when it was very simple? And that's really the process I've always followed. So f- definitely agree with you. You hire fast, fire faster, definitely promote the fastest because that's how you build loyalty too in the people you delegate to is when you promote them, acknowledge them, and you show them that you are willing to give them part of what your world is and invite them into part of your world because people want to be valued and that's part of valuing people. When we delegate to people in an effective way, when we give them something and it is something they love to do you're creating a higher morale. You're creating a better sense of, of, of work and energy in your space. And you're giving people the, the fulfillment that they are looking for, right? So there's two sides to delegation. It's not just me giving and getting rid of everything I don't want to do anymore and use my time for something better. But it's also how you help somebody else fulfill what they want and, and give them that satisfaction. And when you're leaning into their strengths around it, 
you're you're and you acknowledge that by a promotion, well, then you're going to have a loyal employee because they feel seen because people want to be seen. And that's the other side of delegation is being able to see the people that are doing the work for you. Yeah. And and that's, you know, Tom said earlier in this, in that section right there that, you know, people struggle with, well, what am I going to, what am I going to promote them to? Right. So right. I'll give you, I'll give you an idea. So here's what happens. Once you start delegating tasks, right. And, and you, now you're handing out three or four or five different tasks and you've hired maybe one to five different people to do these tasks. Well, what happens is you're no longer able to do what you normally do. And you switch over and you become a manager. You now have to manage these people who are doing those tasks and help to hold them accountable and, you know, make sure that you're, you're measuring their progress or, or their failure. You have to adapt to all those things and you become a manager. Now you didn't get in business to be a manager. So you have to make right. a decision at that point. <clears throat> am I committing to be a manager or am I now going to delegate that role? And that is typically where you can promote the fastest is you have a few people doing a few things and you say, you know what, this person's really good at it. And I also believe they have management or leadership skills. Why don't we promote them to lead the other people who are doing those tasks or the other people who are doing those similar range of tasks? If it's operational, like Tom was talking about, and you have like four or five different people doing operational things, well, you can have one manager doing that. So you have to be very, very careful is you will become a practitioner because that's what you used to do. You used to do the actual work. Then you can become a manager. And then people get stuck in that situation. So people get stuck along all these levels. Every time you level up, people tend to get stuck in one of them. So you can either get stuck in doing the thing that you're making the money at. Yep. You can get stuck in being the manager, right? Or you can get stuck in like training and accountability. So you have to always, this is why, I, like I said, every quarter I go back and I, I do this task for myself where I write down what am I doing every half an hour. And if I find I'm doing way too much management, that means I need to hire a manager. Now, mm -hmm. the first place I would look is within my team. You never want to steal somebody that is really, really good at their thing that they're doing and move them into a different role of management. Okay. Just because someone is a rock star, especially like in revenue generating things, you know, a lot of people do this. They'll find like, wow, this guy is the most amazing salesperson. I'm going to create him to the sales manager. Well, maybe they're a horrible manager and you should right. have left him as an excellent salesperson. So sometimes when you're going to fire the fastest, okay, it's because you're frustrated with their results, but maybe their result needs to be a different role. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that you may be teetering on promote the fastest because they may be good at something else. Promotion can be lateral. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it, it might sound like promotion always needs to go up, but it can go over, okay? You can mm -hmm. either give more money, more responsibility, anything else, different title, but that promotion could be, I'm changing your role, okay? Right. So I would be very, very, very careful that when you start delegating, you will become a manager, okay? How long you are that manager is up to you, and that would be the first thing I would say when you're looking to promote to look to do. Yeah, you, you brought up a really important point there because I've seen this in, in my corporate situations is, is when you have a lot of employees and you have a really good employee that stands out and you promote that person, they're not necessarily going to be good at that management position. They're going to be, they're good at the job that they do and that's where they should stay. So you want to be careful with that and you want to definitely recognize that. And like Adam is saying, because somebody's not doing a really good job and you're not happy with what they're doing and you're thinking about firing them, 
you do have to ask yourself, did I, did, are their strengths complementing what I'm asking them to do? Is it really what they're supposed to be doing? Because if I've set them up for failure and I didn't realize I set them up for failure and they have all these other strengths. And this is where not getting married to all the responsibilities and all the things, you know, I read an article when they were talking about the great resignation, how a lot of companies shifted their perspective instead of just trying to get people to fill the role they were looking for people who could do the tasks and and could do other stuff and then adjust the role and the responsibilities for other things that you need but construct the position around the person's abilities because that would be more likely how you keep them and that's what you have to do and that's what you were hitting on with firing with somebody but before you fire them Maybe it is a lateral promotion. Maybe they're really good at something else that you really need tackled and you build the role around the person. Now, that is not something that a lot of people are used to traditionally. But in this era of how fast everything is changing and people are quitting and doing all these things, you have to build roles around people sometimes. And that's the lateral move that I think you're talking about. So, yeah, I mean, I actually did this in my financial planning practice. So I, I brought in a gentleman who we brought him into a sales position and uh, in a, he was in a 13-week training. We paid him a salary to do this. He got through it. I mentored him. We we went out and did as much as we could. And he was a complete failure at it, but he was a great human being. Mm-hmm. Horrible salesperson. <laughs> great human being. And he had certain skill sets that I noticed. And every time we were doing back-end stuff, he was way better at it than I was. And this was a kid. I mean, I hired him right out of college, okay? And what I noticed is I said, hey, Ed, I'm going to move you from this sales role over to an operations role. It was one of the things on my list that I was doing way too much of. My partner at the Mm -hmm. time, Russell, was doing way too much of. And I said, hey, let's bring Ed in on the operations side and let's have him handle all that stuff. We brought him in and he was unbelievable at it. The problem was he was so good at it. He realized, wow, this is my path forward. And he went and he's like, hey, I'm going to go and get my master's in this. He did that and uh, he left us. And now he works for the New York State Department of Financial Services doing the things that we were having him do here. So he was able to elevate himself. Mm-hmm. And it was because we had the ability to say, look, he has a skill set and let's move him to a different place. And then he had the ability to say, hey, I found my path in life and I'm going to take that. I've some of the best employees I've ever had I've lost. I did not lose them because they didn't like working with me. I lost them because they found their true calling in life and then found that my organization wasn't the best place to get the most yep. out of that. And they moved on. That makes me as a leader feel the best when when someone either out succeeds me or moves on to bigger and better. That means that we put them in the right positions to get the most out of their potential. So that's what that's what I mean. And I've actually gone through this multiple times. Just this kid, Ed, is he's always on my mind with this because he's the biggest, biggest example. I've had other people have more success financially, but I've had this kid right. have most success in finding almost a 180 degree difference of what he came in to work with me for. Yeah. I, you know, and here's the, the key that I'm going to just summarize this with. I have always approached working with people and managing people as my primary role is to develop people. And if you look at yourself as someone who is going to develop people, delegation becomes very simple. Right. Because when you're because now you're investing in that person. 
you're truly investing. And that's the mindset. You know, you asked me that question at the very beginning of this episode. Like, what's the mindset around this? It's you have to change your mindset to either you're going to develop people or you're not. And when you develop people, you delegate to their skills, you delegate to their strengths, and you get out of them what they can fully deliver on. And you make them better people and better employees and better whatever so that they can either elevate in your company or they can elevate themselves to something else. And when they leave you, I'm sure you said to Ed, we wish you the best of luck yeah. and we're so, so proud of you. Right. It's it, it wasn't that they left me and they screwed me. No, they left you because they grew. And that's your job as, as, as a CEO of any company is to develop the people around you. And if you embrace that, you're going to delegate much more effectively and it's going to take the fear out of it all. Absolutely. All right. So I have, I have one last thing that we're going to wrap it up with. Before we do that, everyone who's been listening, if you've gotten here, this is one of our longer episodes. We really appreciate that you're listening. Yeah. If you could you know, give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on, give us a subscription and then we'll pop up each time we come out. We do come out every Wednesday at 6.42 p.m. on where all podcasts are available. So if you can just help us help more people, that'd be wonderful. And also, you can always find us on Instagram. That's where we put the majority of our content. And that's at Atomic Business Coaching. All right. So the last thing that I want to talk about, and then we'll wrap this up, is the end. How the hell do you hire now, right? <laughs> okay. So most people have a very, very difficult time hiring. And we we have walked many of our clients through how to do this. We've given them you know, all, all the methodologies on how to do it. But I'm going to go a different route here, right, Tom? Yep. Go ahead. I'm going to I'm going to go very meta. You can delegate the delegation. You can delegate hiring. Okay? Yep. You can delegate that to someone who is an absolute expert at this. There are plenty of headhunters and talent resourcers and there's all these huge industry of people that will go out there and find your perfect person for you. Now, of course, you have to come to the table with some things that we previously talked about, like SOPs and training programs and job descriptions, but you can then just hand it off and pay someone to bring you the most talented people that fit your parameters and what you've done. So don't think about this as like, oh my God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. If you don't know how to do something and it has to get done, you hire for it. So if you don't know how to hire and source talent and find these people, go ahead. Spend the money, spend the effort, find the person who's going to find those people for you to get the job done. Okay. And then eventually you can in, in, bring that in the house. I have a recruiter that I, I mean, I haven't brought anybody onto my team and I don't know how long because this recruiter, she just handles everything. She knows what we need. She goes out there and she finds it for me. So this is something you can do. And there's, there's ways to work it out. If you don't have a tremendous amount of money, there's, there's some standards that people We'll do a percentage of the salary or a certain amount of months of the salary that you're going to pay them. Um, but there's many different levels of that out there, too. There's one guy in one of the networking groups. He does it for very inexpensively, and he spreads out payments over a year. And and it only uh, they only get paid if that person stays. So there's, there's a lot of resources that you can use if this mm -hmm. delegation, this part of the delegation, meaning hiring somebody, you don't know how to actually facilitate it. So don't get caught up in like, I've never hired anybody. I don't know how to do this. There's resources out there. Tom and I can help walk you through how you can do this without yeah. hiring somebody. You can go outside and find somebody, but 
This is all about delegating. You're looking for the things that either you suck at or you hate to do. You want to find those and push them off to somebody else who, guess what? They love it. And they'll be more than happy to do it. So long episode, Tom. Uh, yeah. Anything you want to close out with? Yeah, no, just one comment on that. I've worked with tons of recruiters and headhunters and, and what have you. And what I always notice that when I reviewing the description of the job or the SOP, if I've missed some points, they ask the right questions to clarify the points for me. And it's actually, it, it, it turns out to be a very beneficial process, not just in finding the right person, but in further clarifying what it is that you need from those people. So because recruiters are trained and headhunters are trained to really ask those detailed questions that maybe when you did your training for your seven-year-old, you didn't hit on. And they'll they'll ask you that question. And, and that's something that makes it very beneficial. So again, there's a benefit to that. I want people to understand that there is a huge benefit, not in just identifying the person, but also in further clarifying what you may or may not need from that person going forward. Yeah, that's what we do when we go through that process with our clients. We're actually, you know, they're giving us the job description and we're picking it apart and saying you need to add this. They're giving us the SOP. We're picking it apart and saying you need to remove this. And like, Correct. So we go through that with our clients. So there's, like I said, there's many ways you can do that. You can outsource it to someone very specific. You can work with coaches like us who will look at it more comprehensively and holistically. Thanks so much once again for listening. All right. Ciao.